All right, we're going to be in the episode, and here, should we just go with Starf? Yeah. All right, Starf. Um, guests get to dedicate the episode, so what would you like to dedicate the episode to? Uh, I would like to dedicate this episode to pizza, just all all pizza. <laughs> <laughs> all kinds, right? As, as well as uh, IPR, the Institute of Production and Recording in Minneapolis. Are you there? That's a wonderful place. I got a nice tour from Mr. Hunt. Oh, yeah, gotta, at uh, the Adina campus? Yes. Yep, yep. Yeah, so it's a wonderful place, yeah. So pizza and IPR. Did you have pizza at IPR? Uh, it was great because I, I went to the Minneapolis campus, which is right across the street, like literally right across the street from Pizza Luce, and I ate there um, pretty much <laughs> every time I went to class. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, we're back on the Safe Out Film Pass, Filmcast. Uh, before we begin, I'll let you know that I'm on YouTube, Kyle Nick on Film with Kyle Gothy and I, and we're going to bump up it's pretty soon to two episodes a week. We pick a movie, we critique it, we talk about it. Um, so we'll put the link down below. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We appreciate it. Or look for the options on Patreon. We help the part of the team. We really appreciate that as well. We got already got a couple members of the Patreon. That's pretty nice. With me today is, what we, what we, what we put your like a sound editor or sound mixer? It is it is complicated. I, I'm a, an enigma in the industry. <laughs> but right. uh, I mean, like I, I went to IPR. I mentioned that uh, in the intro there. Yeah. Uh, and I focused on post-production sound, but I've sort of fallen into production sound mixing. So uh, as far as audio goes, I'm sort of bouncing around all over the place. It's kind of the nature of when you do sound, especially for filmings or even like shows and everything. It's a huge umbrella that falls under right oh yeah it's yeah. it's like and most uh i mean at at a at a smaller and even kind of a mid-level at least everything i've worked on it's like i am the entire sound department it's it's just me <laughs> <laughs> and of course we had uh starf uh, actually was the sound person on my my film that I, re- I had filmed in december and so i think anytime that uh we had a little break even though we had some break time i mentioned to you i really wanted you to watch blowout did you get the chance to oh, see it yet i haven't and I, I i was thinking about this recently and i'm so bad about this cuz anytime yeah. anyone recommends anything to me you go um, right, it's i keep it in a special bank in my head where <laughs> like i have recommendations like i'm not even kidding i could tell you specifically what they are i have recommendations for things to watch or listen to from upwards of 5 years ago and i'm still going I'll get around to it. It's I, I don't forget them, but I I don't know. I have to, yeah, because somebody recommended I should watch The Wire. I haven't got to it yet. I've been hearing about The Wire for <laughs> so many years from everyone. So I think for your recommendations, you kind of do with your sound. You just put it in a bank, and then eventually you just get to dump it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Collect them up. So um, with sound, I think... Especially if you're going to do a short film and independent, you really have to pay attention to the sound mm-hmm. because sound is. Somebody said, and I can't remember, sound is fifty percent of the movie. And if you get the right sound, it really enhances the movie. There's certain things that you can. I think you can hear movies when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I've I've heard someone say that uh, sound is less forgiving. It's funny because uh, a lot of 
I mean, obviously, it's all important, but sound sometimes gets overlooked by certain people. And you can have, like, you can spend all of your time on visuals. And even if it looks amazing and perfect, if it sounds bad, I feel like that's less forgiving for an audience. Like, you can't immerse yourself in a movie that sounds bad. It will take you out of the experience quicker than anything. Uh, I Not only do, do I do the film, but I also do comic books. And I have to agree, because you can do a wonderful visual page, which I'm working on right next to you. A great page. It looks beautiful. But if you spell something wrong, or your grammar is really awful, it takes you away from the, the visual and it subtracts, and you're like, oh, my God, okay, next. So yep. you have to, they, they, you know, we agree. The visual is really, really perfect, but you have to pay attention to the little stuff that's going to subtract and sound. I won't say it's little, but it's most important detail that I think people kind of like, oh, yeah, we'll put that in there later. <laughs> so yeah. grammar is the audio of comics. Yes, <laughs> That's absolutely. Fascinating. Yeah, well, there's no sound in comic books. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Uh, you can hear the pages flip. Yeah. <laughs> if like- you... you like they said, there's no smell in films. There's mm-hmm. no sound in comics, which is if you're going to make a movie about a perfume or something. <laughs> yeah, if, <laughs> if that's the, your centerpiece, good luck. That was the most difficult. There is a movie called Perfume, and it's all based on a book about perfume. And that's hard to make because you're, you're talking about a sense that nobody, you're watching a movie. You can't sense what they're, but the book, you can actually describe the detail of, of aromas. and But it just didn't translate very well. So is there, is there sound in film? When you watch other films, is that what you critique first, or you just kind of sit back and relax? Uh, I'm very good at being able to kind of uh, turn my brain off in that regard. Like, I can definitely, obviously, like, if if there's an egregious error or something, I'm going to notice it uh, quicker. But, uh, you know, I've had people say, like, they have film or TV shows or music if they're uh, an audio engineer in that field. Like, they say, oh, it ruined it for me because now I can only hear the technical aspects. But I... I don't know. I can kind of shut it off, but you know, like I said, I can definitely. If there's something egregious, I can hear what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, I, I don't I can't remember who I talked to, but we talked about how sound gets appreciated for not really for the sense for the right reasons. Like if you have big car explosions and noises and loud and amplified, then people recognize it and you get awards. But you have to do the small details as well because sound mixing was very important. In a movie like Castaway, where it's very quiet and you got to get the details of the water. The mm-hmm. details of the sand, and that takes a lot more care. Quiet you... is much harder than loud. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a, uh, it's one of those jobs where it's like, yeah, if you if you do it right, no one will notice you're doing your job because uh, making stuff sound real, especially if you're starting from scratch. I know a lot of uh, that was a lot of the learning. Um, experiences at IPR was like, oh, you have to take a clip from something, completely strip all of the sound out of it, and then rebuild it from the ground. Like, you're at mute, and you have to rebuild everything yourself. And it is, there are so many little details. So what got you started in the field of sound? Was just, you always like music or something? Yeah, I've, I've always been a fan of music, like, pretty much as long as I can remember. I love music, and... It's sort of one of those things where for a long time uh, I thought maybe I wanted to get into music or uh, I don't know, like be be in a band or whatever. Or then maybe it was uh, be an audio engineer for mixing music and stuff. But yeah. I don't know. It's some it's kind of the thing where it's like even though I love the process of learning, uh, you know, seeing all that stuff and kind of seeing how the sausage is made, I don't want to work in the sausage factory. <laughs> <laughs> but but I. <laughs> 
It's like, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather, but I still love sound. And so I figured, yeah. uh, I started looking into, you know, film and tele, like post-production sound for vi- visual mediums, which is sort of adjacent to it just enough, but still in that realm. Right. Uh, right. So I guess I went to work at the burger factory instead. It's yeah. <laughs> just, yes, yeah. Just yeah. similar enough. And yeah. so yeah, I've always loved music. I've always loved sound. Uh, music just remains a passion that I like to enjoy and get to enjoy without it being work. And then um, I still get to hang out with cool people and hold a microphone sometimes. Well, yeah, I think it's a, it's a taxing job. I won't say taxing. It's hard labor to do sound on a film because mm-hmm. you're constantly, you have to wear all the equipment. Yep. So you're wearing like equipment, like like 40 pounds of equipment. It, that's yeah. the tough part is that, yeah, all the gear, especially if you're, uh, you know, being the, the one, one guy. sound crew, <laughs> the one all, guy. all of your gear lives on you. Or if you have a cart, it has to follow you. And then you have to, you know, your upper body has to be strong. So you have to constantly lift, sometimes over people's heads for, what, many different takes. So it's just really an endurance strength, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, the I'm, I'm, I'm boom-opping all of the stuff I've been working on. I don't have a, you know, as, we, as we've said, don't have a boom-op to hold it for me. So, yes, you know, sometimes you get in those situations where your arms are straight up or in an awkward position and you're holding it for, you know, two, three, upwards of six minutes at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And of course, I was when we were on the movie, I'm kind of acknowledged that you guys do extend. So we didn't want to do many takes. We want to make sure you're ready. And I didn't want to like, all right. And then cheat on you. Okay. Sorry. It's like we're not ready. <laughs> so you almost have to, if you're a film director, you have to make sure that everybody, you know, like you guys, you're, 20 takes for you is arms up, you know. <laughs> so you have to be wary that a lot of the variables, especially when you make movies and the sounds. And I don't. not only do you do the sound recordings, but you have to bank all the other sound effects like walking, leaves, what's, you know, the atmosphere, the ambiance. You have to record that yep. as well. Uh, yeah, you have to get everyone's favorite thing, which is room tone. Uh, <laughs> oh, me. yeah. Oh, a lot of people who are not familiar, explain what that is. Oh, so room tone is basically, I, I, I mean, I guess I, I usually do it at the end of a scene in a certain place or at the end of the day where if you film in a room, uh, which is... I mean, you, you get it outdoors, it's ambiance or whatever, but if you let's talk about room tone. If you're in a room and you do all your shooting in that room, uh, the last thing that I would do as a sound mixer is get room tone, which is I'm just going to tell everyone to shut up and <laughs> we're I'm going to turn on the microphone and record the silence of the room for, uh, you know, 40 seconds to a minute. And what that is, is for the post-production audio engineer to basically fill in the gaps between dialogue or you know what have you yeah so a lot of times i don't know if people notice but the sound is very enhances dialogue mm-hmm. so like the big reveal then you have to have something gives it a punch yeah or sound is the big minus when you have a you know you're building building all of a sudden it's quiet and then you're like oh the audience knows something serious is going down so it's almost i would say it's subconsciously a plays a part with people viewing that you have to Enhanced dialogue, and not to mention the atmosphere, right? You got to make sure that it's, they're not walking on air. You got to make sure there's sounds and everything like that. Yeah. Yep. Even in the quiet moments, because yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things where the most unnatural sounding thing is like digital silence. Like like if you 
if you've ever watched uh, a student film or an independent film that wasn't particularly well mixed in the sound, uh, you might notice, or, or a lot of web series on YouTube are like this, I've noticed, where you might notice that every time someone talks, uh, right before they begin talking and end talking, you kind of hear a little click of the microphone coming on and off. Yeah. And that's usually because it's not mixed into a room tone. Uh, and in between, you're just hearing literally nothing. And in real life, you're never hearing nothing. No, you, you always have a certain ring in your ears. Yeah, right? you're, you're hearing the, the sound of the room around you. Yeah. Um, there, my wife, we know about, she used to do an internship at 3M, and there's mm. a, it's a sensory deprivation room. Yeah, the, you, the anechoic chamber, right? The, oh, yeah. Is, is that the one that's uh, the quietest place in the world, and it's here in uh, yeah. the Twin Cities? In, in, I think the longest anybody lasts in the room is 27 seconds because it's so quiet you can actually hear the blood going into your head. I've always wanted to go there. I, I, I've never, I've never, I know, like, I want to, I, I like, I can handle it. Let's see. But not only not your void of sound, but it's your balance. So you don't even know if you're upside down. It has that sensory, you're, it's completely dark. They shut oh, the door. Oh, it's dark too. And so you don't even know if you're upside down, you're sideways because your brain's all like, can't, had no sensory, so it doesn't know what it's doing. So it's trying to balance itself. Are we standing up? Are we floating? Are we flying? So your brain's all confused. Yeah, it's so wild. Yeah. I, I've I've never like genuinely pursued it and like looked for the people to talk to. But one day, that, that's a, like a bucket list item. I want to go and be just be in that the room, sensory deprivation room. Let's <laughs> see how long you last. Yeah, I want I want to hear my body like never before. <laughs> well, I, I think it's weird because right because the thought of your brain not only picks up sound but it filters what's important right yes yeah, yeah but, absolutely and much like the eyes you know when you're they say when you're looking at stuff uh, it's coming in upside down and your brain does a lot of magic to fix it for you well that's right because i used to do football refereeing for 20 years and when i trained the new kids the new guys and i would tell them we're not ball watching mm-hmm. football you, you, people on tv all they do is watch the ball, the ball we're not watching the ball the ball keep it in your peripheral we're watching the players that's hard to do. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. You're not doing that because I know because that person did a penalty. You didn't see it. You're ball watching. <laughs> and so that's a lot of times of, yeah, you have to train yourself to hear little things. You have to train yourself to see. And sometimes we get a little lazy with that, especially if you watch sports or something. You just hear a song like, did you hear the drums? Oh, there's drums in that. Yeah. <laughs> So now well, I'm, I'm just, we talked about it before we begin the show. You also collect records, right? Naturally, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm not. I mean, I do. I, I have a significant collection. I wouldn't say like a. I just. I guess I don't have the money. If I had more money, I'd be that's crazier always, that's about the, it. The bane of collecting, right? I wish yeah. I had a. Yeah, if I had that. But we're, we're before we begin the show because I, I kind of like comic books, but you collect records, and records are still. They're coming back, right? Oh, they, yeah. I think they've been coming back uh, in a big way for the past five years or so. Uh, yeah. Probably since about 2015 is when it really started resurging, I noticed. I, I mentioned, and you know who did it? started because of David Letterman. I think when David Letterman was on oh. TV and people were remembering that when the bands come on David Letterman, that the show the CD is too small. So they actually made just a demo record to demonstrate on, because David's like, just Bring me a record. Make a record. And it's a bigger thing to put on TV to show. Interesting. I, I didn't realize that. <laughs> and one of, I think one of the first bands was from Minnesota. Tapes and Tapes made a record. <laughs> I, I was listening to Tapes and Tapes on the way to this podcast. Shut up, really? I, yeah, I was listening to The Loon. Really? Uh, their, their album. Yeah, I, I love Tapes and Tapes. Yeah, they were the first ones that actually made a record to put on David Letterman 
to when they got on David Letterman's show to show. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it was one of the reasons why I went the the Hopefuls. I think two guys, one guy from the Hopefuls, left the band to join Tapes and Tapes. Okay. Yeah, the guitar player, which is another. They were another big hit in the early two thousands. I'm, I'm less familiar with uh with them. Surpri- were, surprisingly, well, they were they were originally called the Olympic Hopefuls, and they came out in jumpsuits and head and wristbands. That actually does sound a little familiar. I, I'm the, not familiar with the music though. <laughs> and then the Olympic Committee said, uh, "Stop with the Olympics," so they just called themselves the Hopefuls. <laughs> yeah, they were right. Yeah, do you do so? You do music? Did I hear that right, or you just listen? Uh, I mostly just listen. I make uh, some. Nerdcore hip hop, actually. All right, uh, what's that? What's that? So it, it's, I mean, that's just. Uh, it's, Sorry for it, anybody listening knows what that is. Pretty but. much exactly what it sounds like. Where it's, <laughs> it's nerdy hip hop. It's nerdcore hip hop. Uh, I I've done. I haven't done it in a while. I kind of it kind of went on the back burner when I went to IPR and started focusing on doing the sound for film. But for a while, I was uh, just writing really nerdy rap songs about. I mean, just being on the internet, taking selfies, what have you. Would uh, Logic be part of that group? The hip hop oh, um, I mean, so not really. It's a nebulous yeah. term. It's kind of one of those things where it's not a real genre. Got it's it. to me, it's more of a community. And some people will say, Got like, it. I mean, some people would consider, from a fan perspective, Logic to be nerdcore. But I don't think that Logic would consider Logic himself, to be right? nerdcore. Yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of means he's not in a way. But yeah. I mean, it's sort of up to your interpretation. Like, uh, there's people that are on the fringe that are more aware of it that kind of say they aren't. Like uh, Watsky, for example. Uh, a lot of people just kind of lump Watsky into nerdcore, even though, you know, Watsky has. I don't know if he's ever made a stance, but I'm pretty sure he's like, well, I'm not really nerdcore, but, you know, I don't mind if you call me that. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever, I get yeah. it. So it's almost like a. Underground kind of thing. Yeah, yeah Internet it, underground kind of a genre. The the underground internet. <laughs> <laughs> do you do, now? Can you do an instrument? Do uh, you play an instrument? I mean, technically, yes. I I haven't incorporated that into any of my uh, raps, but I did play cello for thirteen years. Well, there you go. Uh, I mean, you know, throughout school. That's a hard. That's a hard instrument. To, yeah. Even though I I feel like I could still play it, it's been it's been a minute since I've picked up my cello. I it's love those, it though. It's one of those instruments that you can't stop playing. You have to continually practice at it. Practice yeah, it, right? and, and yeah. you know that's another one of those things. It's it's like the the reference bank. It's one of those things that's in my head, and maybe one day I'll get back to. I'll <laughs> it's pick a it deep back up. Pile, right? yeah. I, I have so many things to focus on. What do I, what do I, what am I going to do next? <laughs> so initially, we, we actually the first time we met wasn't the film we did in the December. We actually met in the summer. The film I made in December, we actually met in the summer yep. on another film. And I was mentioning to everybody that if you're the sound guy, you really have to be overly prepared, right? You have to, if you have going, you want to bring like three good mics because what if the one goes bad and another mm-hmm. one goes bad? So um, do you have to do inventory before you go to movie set? Make sure you're over prepared or got to exert backups? Because everything, you know, we you talked about this before, something's going to go with sound audio recording eventually mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i i have a. I mean <laughs> all my stuff it, it doesn't look necessarily the most professional but it's the <laughs> easiest way i just have everything in one big bucket like one of those big plastic bins uh, but yes, i mean it's do. it's I, I a lot of the stuff you know i even my friend uh just the other day was saying like well why don't you get you know a bunch of pelican cases it'll look better and i'm like yeah but so many of these things that i'm carrying around are just like small like 
Except, uh, there's so much of it. It's just right, easier yeah. to put it in a bucket. It's like whatever. It's gonna work. But I do. I have a. I have a few microphones. I have a few audio recorders. Uh, I I did a a film last fall where I had purchased a bunch of gear for specifically because I mean it was an investment in the future. But also I was like, well, I'm doing this film. I better, uh, you know, get some new stuff and just yeah. to make sure. That's the excuse everyone uses to get new gear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well. <laughs> It's always updating, right? That's the other thing about sound. It's always changing. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, so, oh, I got a new project. Better spend another $1,000 on gear. I have to. But <laughs> one of the things I ordered, uh, in addition to a new recorder, which was the Zoom F6, uh, which I've been enjoying that recorder a bunch, is a specific bag for it. And, uh, like, it's it's one of the bags that, you know, hangs over your shoulder and it's okay. made for the recorder. So it opens on the sides so you can access everything. And like, it's, it's harder to find a suitable bag. I mean, you can DIY something, but like they, they make bags specifically for the recorders because they have so many different inputs and outputs all over the place. Right. Cause when you have it on your, when you're holding it yep, and your hands are not accessible, but you have to, there's so many things you have to pay attention to in the bag and then yep, you're yep. banking stuff all the time and then you and you got cables going in and out of it all over the place so you need to be able to route it through through the bag yeah. uh but the bag didn't show up in time for the film it was the only piece of gear that i had ordered that didn't show up so i i had oh, to man. i had to improvise and i ended up for that entire film which was a week-long shoot uh i was keeping my recorder in a fanny pack <laughs> Well, it's going to work. And it it looked really goofy, but I made it work. It worked, right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) you know, I bought... I bought this $80 bag, which is specifically made for it, and ended up using uh, a fanny pack I got from Ragstock. (laughs) (laughs) So the point of the story is, with the simple things, you can be... You can start being sound. You don't have to buy the whole top-of-the-line stuff. Oh, you yeah, you absolutely don't. It was one of those things where it's like... I I definitely started... I had... uh, I had a... $40 $40 shotgun mic like it was used uh that I got from Facebook Marketplace okay uh so and I did a bunch of student films with that uh it was I think it was like an Audio Technica microphone like 84B or something or other I don't remember that the high model. it's not the hierarchy yeah, right? it's it, not the it was, top yeah yeah it's it's the kind of microphone where it's like it'll get you by uh yeah. you can learn with it and that's the thing it's like you know there is a little bit of a barrier to entry but you can definitely get low end audio gear you can rent audio gear uh and right. just try it out yeah um with music and sound and instruments is there an avenue that you want to explore that you haven't done yet Oh, I so I actually was <clears throat> excuse me. I was thinking recently about getting into I I know this kind of goes against what I was saying earlier, but like maybe now's the time I was thinking about getting into mixing for music, not my own, but uh, you know, seeing if you know, tracking someone else's band or performance or you know, just mixing down songs for people. Yeah, that's cuz that's an art form by itself. People think it is. I don't know. I used to be in a band, and I know, and I when I was in a band, you find other bands. There's a great, there's some great live bands that are just fantastic to see, but again, a studio to record, it just doesn't encapsulate. Yeah. And in the other way, there's a lot of studio bands that are phenomenal, but you get them a live show, it just doesn't jive well. And then the very few bands that could do both, really, really both, they're fantastic. But right, sound mixing. You know, some bands just sound fantastic live, 
let's get you in the studio and it's just not gonna not gonna work right it's just gonna be off right oh yeah there's some well i used to have a yamaha drum set and that's great for live shows because it, it the just the tuning and the how they craft them but you mm-hmm. get a yamaha in a studio it's the worst instrument to put in the studio <laughs> you want something else and we had i just had a yamaha set that's all i had and we took it took hours and hours to get the sound right because it would just sound so bad even though we had tuned it right it, and that's it was just built for live shows right yeah so something like i don't know maybe i would buy a tama or something like that would be a better perfect but yeah it's, yeah it's all about knowing uh knowing what you're bringing to the studio and then knowing how and which microphones to use to mic it up and then after yeah. tracking it obviously knowing how to mix it and one one of the biggest things uh you know a lot of people that aren't familiar they don't they might not realize like they they know that there's some level of post-production that goes on with sound but they don't think about it too much mastering i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah it's it seems like the general public uh doesn't know much about audio at all uh this is a little bit of a tangent but it's like a lot of people uh when i was in school they would ask me what i'm going to school for and i'd say oh i'm going for sound design and they'd say what is that and i'd say oh for like you know for like films and stuff and they'd go what do you mean right because they think they're just all captured on right it's all you just took a take out of the woods and captured it next yeah they're they're like oh so you you make the music for movies and i'm like no no not quite Like, yeah, yeah, people don't realize uh, what goes into it, and like going, we, well, that's why I mentioned like Castaway. You can watch yep. it, but you're not going to appreciate the sound, which is a ma- massive, great skill. Whoever did the sound for a Castaway was phenomenal. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and when I, if, if I ever, the few times that this has come up with people where they're talking about mixing of songs, particularly, uh, sometimes I would take. Uh, there's like you know, there's there's uh, websites you can go to where you sure. can get the tracks to a song where you can get you know the the track to drums and stuff it's basically for practicing mixing some bands will just throw their stuff out there you can download it and mix it yourself just to practice and i would take it and i would you know do a little practice mix uh play it for them and they'd be like oh yeah that sounds like a song and then i would play them all of the files just thrown into you know uh an audio workstation and just play it as it is with literally no mixing and they'd they'd say yeah that sounds awful it sounds very different everything's just in the center well i I mentioned because my when i was in a band and my my uh my friend nick and i were working on and he are you know the recordings and everything and it's like i gotta put another guitar track i gotta put a guitar track on there and i was like what are you talking about it's like well not every song, even though they have one guitar player, has one guitar track. That's very rare. Even Nirvana has two mm-hmm. guitars in their recordings. And so now that I pay attention, how many guitars am I hearing? <laughs> you can listen to Def Leppard, and there's like seven guitars. Just and that's how I'll make it full, right? It's one yep. of those things. They have three acoustics, two electrics, and they're all going at the same time. Or and and funny enough, I had a. I remember one of my first uh, mixing classes at IPR. One the professor asked us like you know how many of you have ever listened to a live album and most everyone was like oh yeah we've no no really we've heard live albums and uh he was like oh well how how live do you think that album really was because there even with a live album a lot of post-production mixing can go into that uh recording yeah well that was how kiss live got in trouble it's 100 percent live and Gene was like, I'm not lying. We actually went in the studio and just recorded it raw. We didn't filter it. We just went back in the back, you know, everything you couldn't hear right. We just went to the studio and recorded it 
live. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't dress it up or anything. It was really live. So, yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to take a little break with Starf. Um, and we'll come back. We're going to talk about pizza. Woo. Hi, everybody. This is Nick for the St. Paul Filmcast. And I want to talk to you about a great place here in the Twin Cities for your next social gathering event. It's the Serbian Hall in South St. Paul. The Serbian Hall in South St. Paul is now open. Built in 1924, it is a unique historic venue perfect to host your next wedding, social gathering, corporate event, or any kind of celebration. The hall has over 9,000 square feet of historic charm perfect for your event. With a ballroom upstairs and a classic bar and reception downstairs, it has the flexibility to meet all your needs. From start to finish, to help you coordinate with every detail. Book now for 2021 graduations. Spaces are filling up fast. Visit their website, www.serbianhall.com. You can also find them on Facebook. They just can't wait to work with you. Your next social gathering event, think the Serbian Hall in South St. Paul. Hi, everybody. This is Nick from the St. Paul Filmcast. And I want to talk to you about a mockumentary short film that's on Kickstarter right now that I'm really excited about. It's called The Minnesota Renaissance Man. It's a short film about two former film majors, Richie and Demi, trying to look to get their big break by finding the Minnesota Renaissance Man. Stories of this man's life go back far as the 60s. It seems everybody has a story about him, whether it's his time working with Prince, his cooking skills, his artistic expertise. One note about this film, the entire cast comes from the North Hennepin Community College. The entire crew comes from the Minneapolis Twin Cities area. If you're interested to look in to support this film, check out its Kickstarter for the Minnesota Renaissance Man. The musical score comes from Jake Berglove from the band Early Eyes, as well as another artist who goes by the name Dalem. Please check out the Minnesota Renaissance Man on Kickstarter for possibly advanced copies of the film. Check out the Minnesota Renaissance Man today. All right, we're back with Starf, and if you know Starf, uh, one of his, inf- I, I don't want to call it infatuations, but one of your interests, <laughs> one of your obsessions, um, and you love to talk it about a, it. We can call it an infatuation if you want. Sure. Um, <laughs> and he made a shamrock, what did you put, four, three-leaf clover one? Uh, four, four leaf, four, leaf four clo- baby. Uh, Starf loves pizza. Oh, I do. Yeah. So I, I certainly do. You even go travel, we have talked about this, you even traveled out states for certain people's world famous pizzas just to have them so you even travel to other places to have pizza yeah and it's i make it a point uh you know i've I've traveled for pizza specifically and then if i'm traveling for any other reason i make it a point to get pizza wherever i am because uh it's one of those things that's i mean it's it's universal and yet not you know you can find pizza anywhere but it's always going to be a little different Right, yeah, that's what we, we one the, the best one was the one from Colorado. That still oh. killed the mountain of pizza, and you were so upset. 
I, I, I could. I mean, we I don't could, want to name the restaurant, but yeah, I'll name. <laughs> I, I'll call them out. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, I, or maybe I shouldn't just to not give them. The, here's what I'll say about that, and uh, I'll, I'll try to make it brief because I could use the whole rest of this podcast to talk about this. It's so yeah. Uh, so when I, I briefly lived in Colorado, I lived there for a year, which was a, a great time. I lived in Fort Collins, but there was a place there that had. Uh, it was just a pizza place that touted their Colorado style pizza, oh, which mountain. isn't isn't a thing. Yeah, they called it mountain crust pizza. Uh which it, it's an excellent exercise and just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> <laughs> and it's exactly what it sounds like, which is that there's basically more crust than pizza. And that's not the right ratio. It's not ideal. They served it with honey because that that's the only you know you don't so much bread yeah, yeah you're you're essentially ordering a biscuit with um you know a little bit of pizza in the middle and <laughs> if i wanted that that's what i would i would have went to a bakery not <laughs> not a pizza place I, it was just a bizarre pizza that i, w- I did not care for i wish i was there to see and you're like it's just crust what the hell is going on <laughs> yeah like what are you serving me here how do you go about critiquing pizza because you're really a aficionado on it. So how do you critique them? It's one of those weird things where, I, I mean, obviously, I you know, I have my tastes and there's certain right. things that will offend me like mountain style pizza. <laughs> but uh, most of the time, you know, it's it's true what they say. Pizza is going to be good no almost no matter what. And so and my, and my tastes in general, I've always said like I could get by eating at a taco bell or a five-star restaurant i'm gonna enjoy it either way yeah and it's the same with pizza so i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy it and it's it's one of those things where i guess i look for obviously flavor that's first and foremost Uh, even if it's a little sloppy or weird if it tastes good it tastes good so that's kind of the top and then beyond that we're you know it's like maybe it's not the most flavorful pizza but uh is there anything interesting about it uh do they have any weird gimmicks or interesting toppings uh what's the form factor of the pizza you know is it deep dish or new york style uh does it have a good bite or is it is it doing what it's supposed to do right i guess it's just like sound there's so many ways you can do it and oh, you can appreciate yeah, it right absolutely um how did you so you did your four leaf clover pizza did you make it <laughs> i did make it i how did you make a how did you get this the, the shape of it. So uh, I actually, I, I've worked at Domino's for years. Like that's, you know, what I was doing before I went to college. And now I'm, uh, I, I graduated from IPR at, right at the end of 2019. Okay. And I started, you know, really getting momentum doing sound stuff and getting sound jobs. And then obviously pandemic hit and kind of collapsed the industry right as I was right, gaining that, momentum. Yep. Uh, and uh, luckily we, you know, it's sort of adapted and I'm getting back into that. And I'm, I'm trying to leave uh, Domino's as a job, but it's it's hard, like because it's. I, I've always said Domino's. You know, it's not the most fulfilling job, but it's a very easy job for the money. So you, as, and uh, as far as the uh, pizza goes, I basically yeah. just took a large dough ball, cut it into fourths, kind of molded that, and then just I attached them in the middle, pressed it, uh, put a little stick a dough on there and the, you know the oven baked it together <laughs> <laughs> so you can really kind of do any kind of shape if you're if you're, uh, you've done enough yeah, yeah if, if you're uh if you're committed enough and you, <laughs> if you if you're willing to try you can make it happen all right starf so you're gonna have to make a batman symbol pizza for me from oh, okay all right, all right deal challenge accepted right <laughs> yeah so does this 
always been a part of you or just just started as a teenager or uh i mean i mean yeah like who what kid doesn't like pizza i, I don't like i've seen a i've seen a meme going around for years that says like if you you know if you like pizza as an adult grow up and to that i say like no shut up right because like <laughs> adults yeah. pizza's great and uh it, it can be very nuanced uh but yeah i've always i've always loved pizza i really started uh i guess focusing <laughs> on like because i started a pizza blog and started you know writing yeah. down uh reviews of every pizza place that i went to uh, back in 2015 actually when i moved to colorado so you know i, I did that i have a pizza tattoo actually <laughs> yes you do that's right i i can vouch for that um so yeah that's started like the the, the blog can any, can anybody find your blog? Do you uh, still yeah. working on it? Yep, uh, it's at pizzaclues.com. And okay, we'll put the link on there. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, this isn't. That's not my main thing. So updates sporadically, but uh, and yeah. also right now, I haven't done many reviews in the last year because it's hard to. I, I don't want to go. Uh, usually, it includes eating inside a pizza place, which I don't right. want to do right now. No, I understand that because there's a certain what I brought it up. Wow, you critique pizzas. There's some pizzas that's just where the the place makes it better. Yep. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Atmosphere. Especially like yeah, some of my favorite pizza places and vibes is like, uh, you know, pizza joints that feel like dive bars. I I guess I would call it. There are certain ones that yeah, there used to be one locally that was called Pizza Factory. It was awesome. It was a little bit like beat up a little bit like a dive bar but the pizza was really great and you get the plastic the classic 70s cup oh yeah you have your pop and you know the red plastic cup yeah there's there's a great one in denver called pie hole uh it's it's, it's got a <laughs> it's, it's a great name and you know yeah they got they got a it, it, kind of, it actually looks a, a lot like this room in a the way studio it, it, it's like it's like plastered in uh not comics but art uh that is comic-esque all over the walls and stuff and you, you go in the bathroom and it looks like you're in a punk bathroom and it's covered in stickers and it's the light doesn't work very well well at least it's, uh, hopefully it's not like the first avenue bathroom which jesus <laughs> but but then uh but luckily uh, i mean the food tasted good i assume it's i assume the kitchen is clean i would hope <laughs> <laughs> did you ever think about starting your own pizza place uh, I guess I guess I haven't, but now that you mention it, that, right. <laughs> that could be another thing that I uh, focus on in the future. Maybe. Well, if, if you're going to start a recording studio, you're going to have to call it like some kind of pizza place or something. Yeah, like there that. we go. Yeah, yeah, Starf's Pizza, and we do sound. <laughs> fool, you got to fool with them, right? You got to fool with their minds. Yeah. Well, it's almost like shaped like a record. That's true. We could, we, there we go. We got an idea. We'll have a pizza place, and when you get your pizza, it's almost like a record with the tracks and everything. Oh man, yeah. There's so much that could be done with this. Yeah, you yeah. and uh, like it looks like an album. May, maybe my gimmick could be that the pizza has toppings on both sides. You got side A and side B. Shut up! There we go. <laughs> million dollar. We just give million dollar ideas away around here. Yeah, like jalapenos on top and the sauces on the bottom and yeah, just track A. So yeah, then their selection options will be you want track one, track instead of combos, <laughs> it's just track one, track two. Right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. What's your favorite style of pizza? Um, I'm a straight, uh, pepperoni guy. Okay. I'm not really, I don't, I'm not, I don't like to be clever or fancy with it, just straight up, because I think if you could do the bare bones good, yep. then I'll go next up. 
I read a book a couple years ago called Slice Harvester, which was about uh, God. That's a good band name. It is. It was. It was about a guy who lived in uh, New York, and he decided he was going to eat at every pizza place in Manhattan. Uh, maybe, or maybe it was even New York. It was a lot of pizza places, and obviously New York big on pizza. Yeah, uh, and that was kind of one of the things he said, where he's like, "I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna eat at every pizza place. It was like hundreds of them, and I'm just gonna get a cheese, a slice of cheese pizza, and that you know, because we're we're gonna find out if they can do the basics well. We don't need to right. get into." We don't need to get flashy with it. Well, I don't think, it, you know, I'm, I'm not a clever, I was never a clever drummer. I'm not really a clever artist. So I'm always like, if you're trying to be clever, I'm really impressed. But if you could do the simple stuff, mm-hmm. if you're a drummer, you can keep natural rhythm all for that rather than do the fills or the rolls and how you play the cymbals. I'm much more appreciative of just keeping natural rhythm. I'm much more appreciative yep. if you could do a basic pizza. So yeah, and then the we'll fundamentals. work from there. Yeah, the fundam- If you can do fundamentals, perfect. I guess that's my from training referees. <laughs> yep. it's really, if you can pick up on just the basics and the fundamentals and you, your marks and your angles, then you'll go very far. Rather than being a very clever referee and knowing exotic rules and oh, who gives a crap about that? As <laughs> <laughs> long as you can keep pace. Mm-hmm. So I think that's all. Everything about, especially pizza or anything you make, it's about basics presentation a little bit but if you can do it right you're gonna go yeah and and that kind of goes back to the sound gear discussion too where it's like you know you don't need the the flashy top of the line gear i mean you know eventually maybe you need more features or whatever so for sure but like to get the basics down and to start learning you just need a, a cheap microphone a cheap recorder and that'll you can learn on that like that that's it that's the basics right that's how nirvana started let's just do the basics and then you know, surprise them a little bit by doing the heavy and slow, which is how they got famous. Do the slow, slow, then heavy, then slow, <laughs> slow, that mixing part. Yeah. Is there certain music that you like other than hip hop? Uh, I, I hate people that say this, but it's true. I listen to a little bit of everything, uh, but. No, it is true. You got, you got like a garden variety in your car. Uh, and I, I mean, like, you know, I feel like when people say that, you know, someone will always challenge them and say like, Oh well, do you listen to like death metal? And I'm like, yeah, I I do a little bit. I I have, I I do. And they're like, well, what about country? Yeah, a little bit. What about Gregorian chanting? And I'm like, I can get behind it. <laughs> it's I'm not opposed. Well, it's just like comic books. I you know we have superheroes on the wall, but comic books can be comedy. Comedy books can be a romance. Kind of make you know. There's horror. There's Hellraiser comic mm-hmm. books. So yeah, I have those. There's doorway somewhere. I don't stick to this, the superheroes. That's what makes that's what makes everybody money is the superhero ones. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, but that being said, I do gravitate mostly like my my musical wheelhouse. I like hip hop and punk music the most, and ska, which is somewhere in there. That's the great thing about <laughs> punk and ska. It's almost like if you're good at it, then the hell with you. <laughs> Get your yep. fundamentals down and then trash it. Right. Yep. <laughs> Learn three chords and just start hitting them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I like the whole start of punk rock was started like, you know that 50s music? Yeah, let's just speed it up and be angry. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> also, yeah. one of the, just a fun fact about ska is that ska predates reggae, and I feel like a lot of people really? don't realize that. No, yeah. I never did. No. Reggae came from ska, not the other way around. I always thought, yeah, I was just not naturally without doing, just assume that it was the other way around. And, and yeah. I mean, obviously... Uh, I get maybe not obviously because I, I I use that word too much, but uh, <laughs> ska 
sounds a lot different nowadays than it did when it was uh, originated. And uh, admittedly, I don't know, I, I didn't internalize the historical details too much, so I don't want to get too far into it. But I, you know, they say if you listen to ska these days, it's third wave ska. So, okay. you know, there's first wave and second wave, and it has evolved from there. And somewhere in there, you know, reggae came out of it. Well, I love film noirs, and that started in the early 40s and mm-hmm. went to the 50s. That's noir. Never really went away, but it came back in waves where you have neo-noir, and now you have what's called post-neo-noir, which we're kind of in that world. So, yeah, it comes back in waves, goes away a little bit, but the es- essence of what noir is is that little window of, like, 1940 to 1955, and people can... There's, you know, there's picky people, like, noir has got to be black and white, and that's it. Well, <laughs> I'm not really of that, or noir has to be certain things in it to be... And then I can, no, I like my spectrum a little bit open, but that's how it keeps alive, right? People debate about it, talk about it. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Is that the natural? Like, ska is like one of your top three? I mean, yeah, I guess if I guess if I had a top three genre, uh, it would it would be the, I guess not necessarily in order, but it would be punk, hip hop, and ska. Do you, I mean, a lot of people, because I, I almost encourage it in between takes, do you like to listen to music uh, on the set? Uh, I, I guess it depends on the set, really. Uh, yeah. I, I, I guess, uh, yeah, not in between takes. <laughs> not, I, I always try to stay very professional and alert and ready to go. Which is really funny because you have to be, you're the sound guy, but you really don't, have, you don't talk very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or nobody like, really asks you anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah they only ask me if I'm ready and they're like, <laughs> oh, are you recording? Oh, Okay. <laughs> What you're recording all this? Yeah, I got this on tape. You told me to f off, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you want to mention before we wrap it up a little bit, or um, oh, something you want to plug, boy. or? Well, okay. I mean, I guess as far as plugs and stuff go, I, I mentioned I have pizzaclues.com. Yeah, we'll uh, put the link on there. Also, I, I guess I wanted to mention uh, something about on the topic of pizza. Let. Uh, let me ask you a question. What's the? I, I know you said you like pepperoni. I yeah. personally, I'll mix it up. I'll try all sorts of stuff. My favorite pizzas are like Supremes or the Works or garbage or what have you. What's the strangest topping you've either had on a pizza or like seen offered on a pizza? Well, I'm a pretty boring person. I'm a boring white guy. But jalapenos <laughs> on a pizza is something I'm just not ready for. Jalapenos are always a mixed bag because I feel yeah. like. What was that? That was me. That was me. <laughs> I feel like a jalapeno. You never. They're never consistent in their heat level. Uh, I'm not a big fan of those, uh, just in general. Uh, right. I, I never. Like I never know exactly what I'm gonna get. I think anybody who requests them, you're a weirdo. <laughs> you put but jalapenos on. You're weird. There's yeah. a there's a pizza place in Fort Collins, Colorado. I, I guess I don't know if they're still operating, but when I lived there, I went there all the time called Pablo's, and they offered a pizza that had mandarin orange slices on it, what? which is a like you know one of the hot topic debates on the internet is pineapple on pizza. Yeah. But mandarin oranges on pizza, it's better than you'd think. Okay, uh, all right. And it had other stuff on it as well, but I, whatever they did with that particular pizza, the flavor profile was just on point. I know my grandfather used to fry an egg on his pizza. Ooh, yeah. So that's, you like crack an egg in the middle. I've had that a couple times. That's that's good. It's almost That's almost uh, just in the way <laughs> the presentation is makes me think of shakshura. Is that what it is? Shakshuka? What is that? I don't know. It's... it's uh, some sort of breakfast dish where it's made in a pan with red sauce and you'd crack eggs into it. Okay. 
All right. Yeah, I, but like the crack an egg over a pizza before you put it in the oven and let it sit there in the center. And I should uh, I should try that. Uh, <laughs> my grandfather called it empty the fridge pizza. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> a, a, truly a garbage pizza. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just throw everything on there, right? Yeah. Uh, but I also actually do some of my own. This this is a weird plug because I do some of my own podcasts, but they we because of COVID we right yeah haven't really been doing them, and also we kind of we lost our hosting so they're not available at the moment but we're going to bring them back at some point and that'll be at savepointsunday.com savepointsunday yes we, we save we, i have a few i have Save Point Sunday, which is just kind of like a general banter talking about whatever show uh and i also do one called spin cycle which is a music review show and that's a podcast too yes spin cycle uh, which can be found on the save point sunday well, quote, like, quote, i like network. half the word of that <laughs> since my movie yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh but otherwise uh i uh at starf.bandcamp.com i have some of my music i mentioned earlier and then uh my i i guess uh you know i've we've been saying my name is starf uh my full name is alex starf elverson i'll put that out there just because uh i this is the saint paul film cast and yeah. uh, i worked on your uh i worked on your project yeah did the sound for it and yeah. i'll i would love to do sound for uh you know anyone uh maybe dep- depending on the details but like we said you're you're you've been doing not only like high grade professional movies but you're also doing student films so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm willing to to work on stuff uh so if anyone you know has a project in the area or even not in the area and they're Should willing we put to put your email down if people want to contact you yeah yeah absolutely we'll, we'll put their email down so if anybody's interested they reach out to you but uh, I'm, yeah. I'm interested in doing a production sound mixing as well as post-production sound mixing so yeah, kind of, and then you're ready to manage a band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the next step. Slice Harvest, the band, right? Yeah, oh God, we should. I'm already thinking about it. And then we, you and I have to have a pizza place too. Yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> Many plates in the air. Track, yeah, track one. Well, Starf, thanks for coming, man. Oh, now absolutely. I'm hungry. This has I had been a pi- blast. I knew you're coming today. It's the last night, and wife and I had pizza, of course. Yeah. <laughs> old world pizza on Grove. You got to try it. I do. I, I haven't. Uh, I have not tried that one yet. Uh, I will put it on the list. They have a meat lovers pizza, and I think about five or six pizzas, and I'm like, that's the I can't. It's like bacon in it and ham and you know sausage. I do. I, do, I love a, a, a meat lovers. I think yeah. the the I know, I know you're trying to wrap up, but I want to say I think the last yeah. pizza I had in the area was a little oven. Oh, in St. Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the. It's a little restaurant, too. Yep. <laughs> they only have a, they really do have a little oven. They have a little, it's a little restaurant. And they, they have that amazing deal where you can, you buy a pizza and you get a second one for a dollar. Yeah. And it's, it's like the, le- what's ever fine in the bottom of the oven, we'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, Starf, thanks for coming. Absolutely. And Thank I you. think we made everybody hungry and want to listen to records. That's what we did here. So. Um, as you know, it's not over till the guests say it's over. Well, in that case, I think it's over. There we go.